0: Hawks Hawks, Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer.
1: Hawks Live, every Thursday from CenturyLink. I am with Paul Moyer. I am Michael Bumpus, 7 o'clock, right here on 710 ESPN. And we're doing something we haven't done this year, Paul. Mm -hmm. That is talk about the Seahawks taking a loss. They lost to the Cardinals in OT. Uh, you can say what you want. Russell Wilson threw three picks, didn't have his best game, but still made incredible throws. Lockett played well, but that was after a loss. DK didn't get the ball the way we thought he was going to get the ball. You got running backs going down. It sounded like a typical Seahawks loss. You got all, you got injuries, and you have Russell not playing well. Yeah, up
2: by 10 with six minutes left in the game. And, you know, some people say, well, there was three minutes left, and they were up by 10. Well, yeah, they scored you know, with three minutes left. But, you know, they were up when they had got the football. There was around five, I think, five or six minutes left up by ten. Double-digit leads again. Yep. Uh, this is a fourth. Uh, maybe the every game but Minnesota, we've had a double-digit lead. Yep. So um, I, I think it was disappointing because I really felt we were a better team than Arizona, and I still believe that even after that game. I felt we played pretty good at times. I mean, even on defense, and some people are going to go, what? And I go, I'm telling you, we played good in spurts. It's just the key, the really important moment in the games, we didn't. And, you know, I throw someone out there, you know, we've got a third and four, third and five. We're off the field, and they they call roughing on on Bobby Wagner, which I thought was a horrible call. Um, We were up by 10. They're kicking a field goal. And we line up, you know, illegally. It's a not just a penalty; it's a fifteen-yard 15, penalty. Yes. And so now they go down and score a touchdown. That compl- that's, to me, that's that is the ball game there because now you're forcing uh, our offense to get two first downs. Tough to do when when they're really forcing the issue on you. You know, with everybody up in a box and you know playing tight man to man, coming off the corner. Tough to do. Yeah. Um, we we shouldn't have lost that game. Even the the interceptions. Well, the first two interceptions. It didn't even hurt the Seahawks, as no. weird as that is. I mean, that first one, we would have gone up by, what, 20 to 7 at the time. I think it was 13 to 7. All of a sudden, they go all the way down. They don't score. We go right back and score. We yep. drive 95, 96 yards. The next one, same thing. I go, They don't score. They, they throw an interception the very next play. So they didn't hurt us other than momentum. You know, you're up 20 to 7. You're really having your way with them. That's a big thing. The, the last one obviously hurt. Yeah. You know, he just misread that. I, I don't want to say it was a simple zone blitz. I actually think what Arizona did, lots of teams run these zone blitzes. They get three linebackers up on line of scrimmage. They drop them. What made that that work is the way they executed on looking up wide receivers. There was nobody to throw to. Yeah. And they had a guy free coming off the corner. Matter of fact, all the sacks really in pressure were a four-man rush from the zone blitzes that they they thought maybe six or seven guys were coming. So so disappointing bump in that. I thought we played well except for those critical moments, and I just felt like we gave that game away.
1: Yeah, I'm with you with the critical moments, giving the game away, key injuries. Chris Carson goes that down. Hurt. Travis Homer goes down. He would be in that last drive. Poor DJ Dallas, the rookie, trying to pick up blitzes. That's the toughest thing for a rookie running back to do pick up blitzes. And you hear the way he responding. He goes, it's not going to happen again. He's going to get better. And then you can ask, okay, why wasn't DK Metcalf? more involved in the game. I'll tell you why, because you got a guy named Tyler Lockett <laughs> who was doing his thing, so he didn't need to be. And no. then I look at the defense. They didn't do anything special. They were playing him head up. They'd bail and run. There were a couple things that he could have done better. I feel like he was running a post a couple times, and he took an outside release. If, you run, if you're if you running a post, you're on the outside, you're man up with a corner, you want to get that inside release. It just makes it makes it more attractive for the quarterback when he sees you, you have inside leverage and you're more open. He ran a lot of crossing routes. I like that they moved him around. He played, played in a slot more this game than I think he's has all season. So I don't think it was necessarily something the Cardinals were doing. I just think that the game plan was kind of to feature Tyler Lockett because they felt like they had matchup problems there.
2: Well, 15 catches, 200 yards. There's not a lot to to go around after that. At, what 20 some targets uh, for for Tyler? Just again, one of the greatest, if not the greatest. I, I think it is the greatest.
1: Wide receiver game in Seahawks history. You told me that on Sunday. I've been backing you up all week. Tell the people why you think it's the greatest performance as a Be- receiver.
2: Because, and hopefully I can remember this, NASA, because um, he was one feeding me all the, the notes Sunday. The, the record for the Seahawks is 256 yards, 15 catches by okay. Steve Largent. It was 1987 versus the Detroit Lions. That was the strike year. And so Steve Largent and Jeff Kemp had crossed the picket line, and they basically played against a strike team of guys who, you know, were probably smoking at halftime, <laughs> and you know, first time they'd worked out in in years. So I, it was it was you know men amongst boys at that that point. In this case, this was real deal, and a defense that was playing as well as any defense in the league, second le or uh, scoring defense in the league. And Tyler Lockett tied a Seahawk record, 15 receptions, with Steve Largent, who did it against replacement players. Yeah, and he had 200 yards versus again a fantastic defense. Steve Largent, that that's the next uh, closest to that was Steve Largent with 191 yards, I think, uh, against a, a, a real team, I guess. Uh, so yes, to me, three touchdowns, 200 yards received, 15 receptions. That is the greatest performance of a wide receiver in Seahawks history for one game
1: yeah and I I agree with you thank you for being the historian and blessing us with your knowledge because I would have just looked at the record books and been like all right locker number two but once you put context behind it it makes a lot more sense now defensively Shaq went down with he's in concussion protocol right now and Trey Flowers is in the game people are gonna say well Trey Flowers was in so that's why this and that happened I'm gonna say Trey Flowers isn't your best option Obviously Shaq is, but also the way that this defense plays is just give you all this cushion and don't take any risk, any chances. That puts a guy like Trey Flowers in a tough position, especially when he's not getting the snaps that he typically was getting. And then, you know, his confidence. He's working on his confidence right now. I think he's more than capable of being a solid corner in this league, but you being a a DB, a safety, you got to have short memory. You got to be able to flush things away. And I think that's what's holding him back right now.
2: Yeah, the, I was talking earlier with somebody on this. It, there's so much to pass defense. You know, the way the Seahawks would like to do it, if, you know, if we're going to go back to 2013-14, you have a fantastic four-man rush. You play a tight umbrella defense. You're playing zone, but I got an umbrella around everybody. But it's tight. It's not loose. So the ball has to come out. Yeah. And you're And now you can spot drop your linebackers. You don't have to crowd receivers necessarily. The ball's coming out, so let's just break on the quarterback. That worked, by the way, 20, 30 years ago very well. And it worked really well for the Seahawks in 13 and 14 and to extent 15 because the ball's coming out so quick. ball's not coming out as quick. It, and by the way, it's not that the rush is poor. Mm-hmm. It's now it's the ball doesn't come out as quick. We're spot-dropping. And if I got two and a half, three seconds to throw as a quarterback – Man, somebody's going to be open in a zone. And the way the zones are today, receivers are no longer taught sit down in a zone. Mm -hmm. They run through a zone. So if you're just spot dropping and he's working behind you, that's just an easy throw, I think, for for quarterbacks today. So I'm going to get to the Trey Flowers part. Trey – for whatever reason, I thought last year he actually played pretty well. Me too. I thought he he the end of the year stuff. I know he, there's some noise on that. He has absolutely lost his confidence. He's doing this drop, open up to the inside so we can see the quarterback, and he's bailing out. And then there's sometimes he's bailing out quick where he's got a big cushion. He's 8, 10 yards back in a backpedal. Uh, you know, again, so from I'm always. Cautious. I don't know what they're being told. Are they running linebackers and safeties underneath that outside guy? I, I'm not seeing a lot of that. Um, if they were, I would say, hey, go ahead and play it deep because you, you could have two wide receivers in a in a stack position. Well, in that case, look, I, I've got some area to cover, so I got to get some depth on that because if I got two guys now start to widen, I got to cover both those. And so depth is important as that. But if I'm playing man-to-man, if I'm getting no help underneath, if it's just a single wide receiver out wide, we have got to challenge these receivers more, even in a zone. And it, it's got to be trust in the pass rush, has got to be trust in the secondary, it's got to be trust with the linebackers. And I would just say two out of ten plays, there's a bust. Yeah. There's a guy that's not in the right position, or they're not looking up a receiver properly, or there's too much time they're running these deep crosses. It's just got to all clean up or... We're going to have a really good record. We're going to have a we're going to struggle when we get to playoff time. There's
1: a phrase that comes to mind when you talk about that spot drop. No more spot dropping. You got to drop and find work. It almost turns into a man. If that receiver is anywhere near your zone, find some work, jump on top of him. So now we got the 49ers coming up next week or this week I should say. And now we will get to talk to Chris Bitterman from the Sacramento Bee coming up next right here on Hawks Live.
0: Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710
1: ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Hawks Live every Thursday at 7 right here on 710 ESPN. I'm hanging out with my go- my guy, Paul Moyer. By the way,
2: do you know who this is?
1: Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the weekend. I know, I, oh, but you got it. Let's go, Paul. I, look. My bad. I didn't give you a chance to... to to take the lead man
2: i, I but, finally got one got one
1: okay i just checking.
2: okay i'm with no ignore-
1: everyone i'm, I'm ready this, you're ready today. okay yes. all right guys yeah. paul says he's ready but now we get to talk to chris biederman chris how you doing today man i'm doing well how are you guys uh, i apologize you know me and my guy here get <laughs> we get a little get a little amped up every now and then but let's talk about these 49ers i'm not gonna lie niners came out took a loss to the cardinals uh bunch of injuries this year found a way to bounce back and then his last week you suffered some more injuries what's the morale of this football team right now
3: i mean the morale is always is always pretty good with these guys they, they tend to keep it pretty loose and, and any team that's led by george kittle is is gonna have a light way about them i guess and coming off two wins um and probably their most impressive win of the season on sunday in new england um the, the team's feeling pretty good and and Particularly, you know, much better than they did the previous two games. That losing to Philadelphia with with uh, their backup quarterback Nick Foles, and then following that up with uh, an, a complete egg against uh, the Miami Dolphins, and a, a lot of players and coaches have said they were embarrassed by that game. To, to come back and and win two straight, um, one over the Rams who were four and one at the time, and then to, to go to New England and win a game. Uh, to kick off a stretch that that's really their toughest stretch of the season i think the 49ers are are feeling like they're they're pretty in a good, they're they're in a pretty good spot right now um and and you know the design of of the season i think with with the pandemic and and not having a preseason was um was sort of to be to be peaking around this time uh you know as as the stretch run approaches and even though the 49ers are dealing with a ton of injuries they are Still in the playoff mix, and uh, and a win over Seattle could could really keep their playoff hopes alive here.
2: You know, it is interesting. Uh, the NFC West, really, they've played an easy schedule. I mean, the Seahawks have, Arizona has, you know, San yeah. Francisco, partly because the NFC East and and part of the ASC East as well, who have really struggled. So so now move forward, because I'm not sure really what the Seahawks are yet. I, I, we're going to find out in the next four games. Um, I think San Francisco as well. But is San Francisco, are, are you deep enough to withstand these next four or five games with the injury bug?
3: I mean, if the injuries
2: stop... Yeah, if the injuries stop, I think they're, they're going to have a chance.
3: Um, if they keep getting injuries, which is happening every week now, there really hasn't been a game all year where, where they haven't come out of it with, with some sort of significant injury question to to a starter or multiple starters. And I, then I think they could potentially make a run. Their, their bye week is week 10 um, in, in late November, and that's when they, when they expect to get E Ford and potentially Richard Sherman back um, from their injuries uh, as of right now. Um, and getting those two guys back while the team continues to get a little bit healthier heading into this weekend and, and Thursday's game against the Packers, which is also a big one that the team is trying to prepare some, some guys for who aren't going to play on Sunday. But, um, you know, they, the, the injuries, it, they can, given that they still have the, the fifth ranked def, defense in the league right now, I think is pretty remarkable, although they haven't played a great slate of opponents, as you mentioned. Um, so they're treading water right now, and they're hoping that if, if they can last um, a, a you know three or four more weeks um, and not get decimated by more injuries, then they could be a pretty healthy and potentially dangerous team in, in December when um, you know when that'll really ultimately decide their their playoff fate.
1: Chris Jimmy Gar- Garoppolo is back, but last week the run, run game kind of got you guys going four touchdowns. Jimmy threw two interceptions. Is this the time of the year where Jimmy's going to have to take the lead and lead this ball club because of all the injuries you guys have had at that running back spot?
3: Yeah, potentially. I mean, the odd thing is uh, about the 49ers running backs you never really know um, who Kyle Shanahan's going to rely on, and more times than not, he, he's found success with, with an array of running backs, no matter um, who has been healthy and who hasn't. Uh, last week, nobody at this time, nobody was expecting Jeff Wilson Jr. to, to play, let alone – be a key t- contributor, and then he comes out and has 100 uh, 112 yards and three touchdowns before leaving that game in the third quarter. um And so the 49ers are getting Tevin Coleman back, um who Kyle Shanahan has relied on heavily as a starter over the last uh, couple years. So having Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, and and the new undrafted rookie Jamichael Hasty, who's who's flashed at times and, and shown some pretty promising things, um I think the 49ers feel like they'll be able to run the ball and. and um, you know, I I think that's that's sort of the basis for their offense is is even if the running game isn't working effectively, they could at least use it to to set up play action and, and create space by using misdirection and and all sorts of other things. So um, yeah, that, I mean at some point Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to win a shootout uh, like we saw uh, you know in the second half of last season in particular. He certainly hasn't done that yet. I think he's something of like one of ten on on passes twenty yards downfield or deeper. Um, so that's clearly a, a part of the offense that's missing right now. But the 49ers haven't needed it recently because of the injuries. But as you pointed out, it, it is certainly a question mark now that the team has lost Raheem Mostert, um, their top running back for a while, uh, with a high ankle sprain, and then Jeff Wilson Jr. just had a high ankle sprain. Um, you know, it's it, it's not a big name group at, by any means, but they have been productive, and, and this will just be a, a new challenge for Kyle Shanahan on Sunday.
2: Traditionally, these two teams uh, like to run the football, win win on defense. Uh, The Seahawks are going through, you know, a transformation. We're we're certainly throwing it. But defensively, you know, these two teams kind of had the same philosophy, like three deep zone, like man, single free. But I really was, you know, relying on a fantastic pass rush. Seahawks are having to adapt to that and, and haven't had a lot of success. I was shocked at San Francisco, and, and again, I know they've had injuries, but only, I think, 11, maybe 12 sacks this year. Have have they changed at all what they're doing, you know, from at least a pass defense with maybe not as dominant a, a, a pass rush they've had in the past? No,
3: I, I think last year their, their, their defense is still the same as it was last year. The issue is, I mean, losing Nick Bosa in the first quarter of Week 2 for the season hurt Solomon Thomas, who hasn't been um, certainly not one of their most productive defensive linemen, but losing him, he was the third overall pick in 2017. He was bit, supposed to be their starting three technique, um, and then D. Ford has been out since week one with with a back injury. And DeForest Buckner, their their star defensive tackle from from the last four seasons, was traded to the Colts. Um, and in his place, you have a rookie Javon Kinlaw who's shown signs of promise, but um, you know isn't going to be somebody who's who's threatening for double digit sacks at least this season. Um and maybe not even next season, but you know, the forty ers really are down their their three best pass rushers from last season. Eric Armstead's still around, but he has to play defensive end because both and Ford are out and Armstead's really a better pass rusher from the inside. Um so it's it's been a it's been a lot of factors leading into it. The fact that the the pass rush isn't nearly as good as it was last year, but um from a schematic standpoint and philosophical standpoint, the the defense is, is still the same. They're just They're just not getting after the quarterback at the same rate they were last year.
1: Chris, when I watch film, I look at this defense. Number fifty-four jumps out to me. Um, How good is this kid, and how much better has he gotten from last year?
3: Yeah. So, coordinator Robert Sala, who was a a a, an assistant working with linebackers with the Seahawks when Bobby Wagner was drafted, he he said um, that they basically have have the same exact, like, exactly the same mindset and same personality. Um, and, and obviously, you know Wagner is somebody that Warner's watched for a long time, and particularly coming to this defense now, um, which is very similar to to the Seahawks. He's, you know, he's he's sort of viewed Wagner as as a an, I, an idol from far away, I guess. Or, um, but they have, you know, they haven't had a, a super close relationship yet. Fred Warner has talked to talked to him at different points on social media and stuff. But yeah, Warner's really good. He he came in and started as a rookie um he's been the plate he's been the uh he has a green dot in the helmet he's had that since his first game he's never missed a game uh due to injury um and he's just you know i don't know if you guys watch the the tony romo just gush about him tony romo's calling him was calling him the best linebacker he's watched on film all season um and he's not like a big thumping guy like you would think the 49ers have had with you know patrick willis and navarro bowman Um, He's much more of a of a smooth athlete and and somebody who might be better in coverage than those guys. And, you know, if you watch last week's game, you'd see him mirroring mirroring Julian Edelman um, over the middle of the field. He he covers linebackers generally pretty well. And and he's just always – he's sort of – you know, with all the injuries the 49ers have had, including Richard Sherman, by the way – you know, Fred Warner has been the constant in the defense and really the reason, I think, that, that the defense has been able to stick together um, because, you know, even last year when they had so much star power, it was still Warner getting everybody lined up, um, you know, pulling the strings, adjusting to quarterback audibles, um, you know, at, before the snap and, and things like that. Warner's just been, and you know, and, and Robert Sala says he's, he's definitely, um, you know, the smartest pre-draft uh, prospect he's ever interviewed. Uh, which is which has sort of been a thing a lot of people have said about Warner since I've been covering him. So, um, yeah, I think he, he's just he's a really good player. He's sort of the engine and the leader out there right now, and, and they might be in a uh, you know in a really bad place if they didn't have him. Um, just given all the injuries that they have and, and how well he's held things together, held things together.
1: Well, Chris, I expect nothing less than another battle between these two organizations. Man, I appreciate you taking time out of your day and giving us some knowledge.
3: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks.
1: No problem. All right, Paul, we get to talk to a defensive player this this week. We've done a lot of offensive guys, but coming up next, we get to talk to rookie linebacker Jordan Brooks. He played well. He did. Hawks live. Hawks
0: live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN
1: Seattle. Hawks live every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN. Paul Moyer. Who sings a song? Oh, come on,
2: man. Everybody
1: Little Little Wayne. Little Wayne. Let's yeah. go. Two for two. Dude. Paul is in the zone. Well, my
2: kids were home for a couple weeks, so they, they, I got some brushed up.
1: Paul's ready to go. Yeah. You know who's ready to go? I do, and he played unbelievable last week, so I'm excited we got him on the show. Jordan Brooks, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine, man. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Now, before we get into all this football stuff, I see you from H-Town, man. H-Town put out some rappers. Who's your favorite rapper from H-Town?
4: Ooh, that's a tricky one. Put me on the spot. Everyone from Houston, I'd probably have to say uh, Zero. Zero. He's all a legend right. in the city. you got to go you know Zero. What? He's a
1: legend.
2: Ball. what if, what if he said i I'm in the country I don't do rap that <laughs> would have thrown you off there Bob. then I would ask him who his favorite country <laughs> artist is you know uh, Jordan, by the way, congratulations last week uh you know no the victory wasn't there for you guys, but you you played well, and uh you know what what's interesting about rookies is and we've all gone through this, and that we we think you know we we don't get to react we're we're thinking about our reads and everything. Last week, you looked like you were reacting. Uh, it felt like a huge jump from just the first game you played to where you were today. How, how did that feel for you in this game? So
4: felt good. Um, you know, it, it all started two weeks prior. You know, just the time I had being hurt and in the bye week, you know, i I've got an extra week to prepare. Um, and then also during the week, you know, uh, Bobby K.J., my coaches, everybody was just, you know, on board as far as just helping me, you know, with the playbook, helping me with the plays and and uh, what to look out for and what to expect, and uh, I just felt prepared going into the game.
2: You know, Jordan, coming uh, into this draft, and when the Seahawks uh, picked you up, everybody said, well, they don't know if he can play pass, defense, or, or cover, and it was mainly because of the scheme you were at, at Texas Tech, and, you know, I would say, well, He's, he's certainly athletic enough, and he's a good football player. He'll figure it out. What, what impressed me the most last week watching you was how you were picking up receivers in the passing game, in the zone, and, and reading reading routes. Uh, is, is One, is that more comfortable to you now, or is this still a, a bit of a learning progress for you?
4: You know, it's definitely something that just comes natural. You know, I didn't do it a lot at Tech, but I've been playing football my whole life. You know, it all starts uh backyard football you know you're playing safety you're playing cornerback playing quarterback, you playing everything so it's something that's just natural it's just something i wasn't doing in college so you know people raise their eyebrows raise questions or whatnot but uh it's something that comes natural um i'm definitely capable of doing it and um just trying to continue to get better
2: how, how are your hands you got good hands so when the ball hits your mitts are you, you catching it and going the distance
4: Oh yeah, for sure. I used to play running back, so I'm trying to get me a uh trying to get me an interception and, and show off some skills
1: there. Paul, all the great athletes play running back at some point in their career, right? Uh Jordan, <laughs> what do you feel is the best part of your game right now and then what do you feel like you need to work on? Uh the best part,
4: um, that's a tricky question as well. I'd probably say just you know, tackling. You know, I, I think I'm, a, I'm a, a really good tackler. Um, finding the ball and seeing where the ball is, is is my strength. As far as getting better, is just um, just knowing what to expect out of certain formations, out of um, you know whatever team we're playing, what they give us. Um, and that's gonna come with time and, and and more preparation. So you know, continue to do that, continue to study, and get better in that area.
2: You guys have uh, played six games in a bye week at, at seven games, and then you throw in you know multiple weeks of of camp. Usually, rookies about this time. That's about a full college season. Um, how are you doing? One just just from the mental standpoint that you know, staying in it, not getting too tired, and and also physically.
4: Yeah, um, I think you just got to you got to take it day by day. Um, like you said, it's, it's it's a lot of games left. You know, what are we, six weeks, seven weeks in? um, Just got to take it day by day, take care of your body, and continue continue to prepare.
1: Hey, Jordan, I'm from California. My first time coming up to Washington was when I went to college, and it was an adjustment for me with the weather, the rain, or whatnot. My buddy used to live in Houston. He said this rain ain't none. He used to rain puddles in Houston is what what he said when he's down there. How's it been adjusting to the Northwest?
4: It's been nice. You know, I can appreciate this weather coming from Houston. It's a lot of humidity. um, It's a lot of heat. You don't get the four seasons that you do up here. So it's been a big climate change for me, but I enjoy it. You know, uh, I'm seeing mountains, trees, lakes, things I'm not accustomed to seeing. So I love it up here. Um, So, yeah, it's been good for me.
2: Well, you know, Texas is known for particularly high school football, Friday night lights. Uh, Both my kids – uh, they're 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 just thirty and twenty nine, but they moved to Dallas a year ago. And uh, what what is better football? Is it in Dallas or is it in Houston?
4: I don't want to get in trouble here. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a serious that's a serious rivalry. Um, a big debate in Texas, whether it's Dallas or Houston. I, I really can't say. I gotta say it's even. I gotta say it's even. There you go. A well, that's a lot of both
2: cities. That's a good call because my kids now, they, they're starting to look to have kids. They, they said, you better pick a good high school with good football. I, I'm not <laughs> coming there watching <laughs> anybody go 2-8 and eight or something. That's not going to happen.
1: So. Hey, Jordan, Mate. what's it been like learning from Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright?
4: It's been great. Um, you know, I, I tell my family all the time, Just, I'm grateful. I'm blessed to be where I am. Uh, unlike college, you know, I, I started my freshman year. But I got thrown into the fire. Didn't have any veteran leaders to to kind of help me get to where I needed to be. You know, as a linebacker, you know, coming into my rookie year, I've got the luxury of having uh, Bobby and KJ as mentors and also, you know, kind of as coaches. You know, they know just as much as information as the coaches do. They've been playing for a long time, so every day, you know, I'm picking their brain. Um, you know they're giving me tips and pointers on what to expect out of a certain call or a certain play, or anything like that, and um, they've been real helpful to me. Um, so, you know, the sky's the limit.
2: Jordan, as a, as a rookie, uh, you know, Monday nights usually you got Monday night off. Tuesdays your day off. We I used to like to go bowling. I just wanted to get away and do something, get out of the house. You, you guys are in a different time with this pandemic and not really being able to go anywhere so so two quick questions for one what do you do now in your your time off and what would you love to be doing or what would you be doing if you're away from football and we didn't have this pandemic
4: yeah i tell people all the time the pandemic you know it's not that much different for me because i don't do anything anyways um <laughs> I'm, I'm in the house probably 90 percent of the time because i'm getting out the get gas, to get food. So I'm in the house resting on a Monday, um, recovering, uh, studying, and uh, watching movies. All
1: right, Jordan, we'll keep studying, keep balling, do what you do, young fellow. We appreciate you taking time out of your day. Appreciate y'all having me. All right, we got you covered all things Seahawks in the NFL. As a professor, John Clayton joins us next, right here on Hawks Live.
0: Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Oh, you hear that? Who's that, Paul? That's James Brown.
2: That's just on the button.
1: At 7.45. 7.45. You hear James Brown? Yeah. You hear some funk. We're talking about I JC. three for three today? Three for three today, Paul. Let's go. Clayton, how you doing, man? Great. When I
5: hear the music, anytime I hear JB, I love it.
1: Love <laughs> it. All right, Clayton, I talked to you earlier today, and you asked me this question, so I'm going to flip it right back to you. How good is Dunlap, and is he going to be the difference in this defense?
5: I don't know about difference, but I think he's going to help. Because, you know, the, the the thing that's interesting, I talked to K.J. Wright today, and what K.J. was able to say, and you'll be able to hear the interview tomorrow, uh, between probably at 11 o'clock, <clears throat> is that, you know, they, they're using a little bit more of the nine technique, which is kind of unique, which that's like the, the, the Jeff Fisher type of uh, line where they have everybody outside to tackles. And you look at Dunlap, and he fits that role, even though he's 6'6", 285 pounds, because he can play on the edge. And so you have Benson Maioa and you have now Dunlap, who next week against Buffalo can come into the mix and be on that edge. And I think that's going to be huge because you, you think six six two eighty five, that's a five technique. He's coming in for, uh, you know, LJ Collier. But no, I think that, you know, he can be in the mix because now you have a double duo type of guy that uh, can be over at the Leo position and do some good things. And so I really like this acquisition. I mean, he's got 82 and a half sacks. He's the second best pass rusher in Bengals history, which I think is great. Good person. And it's like one of the things with him is that he's gone through all these years since 2010, and you've never heard much about him. And the reason is, first off, he's on the Bengals, and nobody cares about the Bengals, but also the fact he's never caused a problem. He's a good guy in the locker room. He's a good leader. This is a good fit. You know, I don't know. I can't compare it to the trade for Dwayne Brown, but there's a similarity right there that I think can really help this defensive line.
2: Well, you asked part of my question, and, and what kind of guy is he? The other is, can he still play? Yeah. Uh, you know, he wasn't getting a lot of reps, um, but does he still have – I mean, look, he was a pro bowler a few years ago. Yeah. Does, he, does he still have that potential?
5: Well, again, pro bowl potential, no. I mean, he was in the pro bowl two fifteen, two sixteen, 215, 216, but – He can come in and it's like, say what you want. I mean, you know, since going to the Pro Bowl, he's averaged like seven sacks a year. So maybe that's not the best. And again, it's not like it's a Bengal team that after five years, because remember, they went from 2011 to 2015 with five straight trips to uh the playoffs you know with Andy Dalton at quarterback and since then the whole team has dropped off and when you drop off and you're all of a sudden trailing in these games you're not going to get the sacks because you're going to be playing from behind so no I think that I mean he, he was a good acquisition and you think about how cheap it really became as far as that acquisition okay so basically you can say okay they got him for a seventh round pick but they were able to pick up the contract in Cincinnati with B.J. Finney, you know, who was making a two-year, seven, uh, $7 million contract, wasn't working out here, and they needed somebody because they have four guys on the offensive line that are injured, and so they took the Finney contract out of the Seahawks' uh, cap number, and I think that is huge. So really, you get him for virtually nothing. They still have to work some things out under the cap, but no, it's like you get a guy, is he a Pro Bowl guy now? No. Is he a guy that can help? Absolutely.
2: John, were you surprised that they were, I guess I don't want to say, were willing to take Finney? Obviously, Cincinnati, you know, they played against Pittsburgh a bunch, knew knew about him, probably thinks he can obviously still play. But that trade doesn't work unless we get the same type of salary off of our cap Mm -hmm. uh, as we get. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, but uh, there's still about a $2 million plus difference that they have to make up and figure out before, you know, because right now he goes on the exempt list and they have, you know, five, six days to figure this out, whether it's to trade somebody to open up cap room or restructure a contract. So they still have time to do that. But no, I'm not surprised at all. And the reason I say I'm not surprised, you know, because again, I'll tell you, it's like if I can't figure it out as a total surprise, but I know I was on with Danny and Gallant and in the morning because I had figured it out the night before, it's like, you know, it's tough because, you know, Danny, everybody else is asking, you know, can you take on this big, because he has, he's on a $13 million a year contract. Can they take that contract on? You go, no, but it's like, okay. But you know, the, the Bengals have four offensive linemen injured this week and he can't help this week, but some of those injuries are going to carry into next week. So they needed somebody. They're going to sign Quentin Spain who was cut by Buffalo at a $5 million a year contract. And now it's like Finney, They've seen more of Finney than the Seahawks have seen more of Finney. Because remember, you know, he's played in Pittsburgh. And, of course, in Pittsburgh, they play uh, the Steelers, the Bengals do two times a year. So they've seen more of him than the Seahawks have seen of him on the field. And so it's like they feel confident enough. that It's like, okay, we can use this guy because he can either start or back up and really help this team out on the offensive line.
1: John, I know how much you like talking about uniforms, but I'm going to talk Ugh. about post-game fashion. <laughs> Jeff Garcia went in on Cam Newton about what he wears after the game and this and that. Is that fair? Should he focus on his play or focus on his attire?
5: I, I, I'll I go with Jeff on this one because, I mean, Jeff has been such a good quarterback in the league, and the attire is just brutal. I mean, I don't know. When you, when you look at Cam Newton, I know that Saturday is going to be you know, Halloween and it's a different Halloween because I don't know if people are going to be out knocking on doors trying to get candy and all that stuff. But it's like you look at Cam Newton's outfits and it almost looks like it's Halloween every day that he comes to a game. And it's like it's, it's a little bit too much. Uh, you know, it's like it's nice that he can be able to do that. And you know, he's made enough money in his career. He can afford it. But it's like uh, I, I'll side with Garcia on this one.
1: John, he's just keeping it funky. You of all people should know about the funky tire, but
5: but, but, Let's put it this way. What I look at with him is not funky. Clinton Portis, when he was with Washington and Denver and all that stuff, he wore funky stuff. And that's what I like about Clinton Portis because he was into the funk because, I mean, you look at that. I mean, you look at Cam Newton's outfits.
2: Is that funk? I don't think so.
1: I'll take your word for it.
2: John, if we're healthy... If we have Carson and Hyde and Homer and Jamal Adams and Griffin, I'm feeling really good about this game this week.
5: Yeah, I would too. But, again, it doesn't look good for Carson because he didn't practice today. Questionable right now on Hyde, he didn't practice today. Jamal Adams didn't practice today. That doesn't look good. So I think that puts the question in your mind. But also, you have to look at it on the San Francisco side because the 49ers, is is, uh, Sherman going to be back? No. Uh, is Tart going to be back at safety? No. Uh, what? Where are they at running back? I mean, you know, they have Jarrett McKinnon, but that's about it because I think they'll get Telvin Coleman back. Because he's on injury reserve and it looks like he has a chance to come back, but Jeff Willis had to go on IR because, or at least he's not going to be out for you know three to five weeks because he's got the high ankle sprain. And Moser, their best running back, you know, he's on IR. So it's like both teams are in bad shape as far as injuries. But the 49ers, I still contend, are in worse shape than the Seahawks. All
2: right, John, you know what time it is. Yeah. This is your segment. What do you want to talk about?
5: Well, again, it's like, you know, it would, and the question is what people don't ask me. And I was going through some of the stats today, and we we're talking about the offensive line. And is there an improvement on the offensive line, even though Russell Wilson is getting getting three sacks a game? And the answer is yes. Now, again, I keep on saying and have been saying for weeks that, uh, according to ESPN Analytics, based on next-gen stats, that they're only, I mean, the the win rate on pass blocking is uh, you know, among the fifth or sixth best in the league. Well, I was going through the stats today, and I can't find a Seahawk offensive lineman who's given up more than one and a half sacks. We're six weeks into the season. Six weeks, no offensive lineman on this team has given up more than one and a half sacks. That's incredible. And again, uh, a lot of the sacks happen because either coverage sacks or Russell rolling out and doing that stuff again. He's had 18 sacks this year, but again, not many of them can totally be attributed to the offensive line. That's what people haven't asked me.
1: John Trevor Lawrence sounds like he's contemplating staying one more year to avoid being drafted by the Jets. Is that a good move? Me, I'm taking the money, John. I'm getting. He'll drafted. take the money.
5: I mean, you know, again, Jets, this, the, 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 he answered the question as correctly as he could. I mean, here's a guy, Clemson, who ironically finds out after he made those comments that he tested positive for COVID and now it's going to miss some time. But uh, he didn't know that when he was saying these comments. But he said, well, uh, I don't know. I still have time to make that decision. I'm not going to make the decision now. And everybody immediately, oh, he doesn't want to be a jet. Well, let's put it this way. It's the New York market. They can make a lot of money in the New York market. Joe Burrow had Jordan Palmer Carson Palmer's brother, you know, coaching him up to get him ready for the draft and all that stuff. And his father goes on Toronto radio and says, I don't want him to go to Cincinnati. They're a bad franchise. Carson Palmer told me that from what he told uh, Jordan Palmer and all that stuff. But in the end, Joe Burrow made a decision. It's like. I don't care about that stuff. I'll hold off. I'll wait. And then he says, I'm going to go to the Bengals. Now, again, he's been great with the Bengals. He's one of the leading candidates for rookie of the year, but also, too, he's getting battered because probably Jordan, his father, and Carson were right. But uh, I I think this is just a a politically good statement to say, I'm going to wait. I don't have to make the decision now here in in October.
1: Well, he's a smart kid. You are a smart man, and ask – Always, John Clayton. I'll see you next time. Keep it funky, baby. Keep it funky. All right. Coming up next, we turn up the heat a little bit. Two men enter, but there can only be one winner. We debut our newest segment, Talk That Talk, straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. It's Hawks Live. Hawks Hawks
0: Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Now, here are your hosts,
0: Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Say it with your chest. It's time to Talk That Talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live.
2: You threw me off on that one.
1: New segment, Paul. Talk That Talk. This is when me and you look at each other in our eyes and we talk that talk. Simple as that. So I'm going to Pose the first question to you okay carlos dunlap will he fix the seahawks pass rush issues no but he's gonna help it
2: okay um look there's not one thing that's gonna fix this defense right now and and pass defense it, it's a combination of things right it's a combination of your scheme it's a combination of certainly the back seven and understanding pow- or pattern recognition. And then it's a, it's also, you know, an important part is it, can we get the ball out within two and a half seconds or less? It starts getting longer, that's, that's a problem. Right. I, honestly, I, to me, the biggest issue is we've got to fix the back seven. Uh, and, and the spot drop. The back in.
1: seven more than I think the, front the front four. four. Really?
2: Yeah, if, if you go look at the win rate on us, we, we going into the last week, we were like seventh. And so it, it, it doesn't come to always quarterback hits or sacks, but there, there's pressure. And that's what you look at. There's not enough talk about pressure. Is the ball coming out on time? Well, if I'm playing off and I'm playing soft and I'm spot dropping and they're working behind me in the zones, I, I, there's no pass risk going to help that much to it. So he's going to be a help, though. He's not going to fix it. He's going to be a help. He's going to another body. He's a guy who's consistently been that, you know, seven to nine sack guy. We we can use him. He's a veteran guy. He's been a. He's a good guy. You heard John Clayton talk about him. Uh, so I'm excited to get him. Can't have enough good bodies.
1: I think he's going to fix it. Fix it, and this is why because. Of the guy who also is going to play, Snacks Harris is going to get in the mix. Yeah, and I think that his knowledge—he's was a nine, ten-year vet. He's been in the league so long. He's going to teach these young guys some tricks: your hands, your leverage, getting a field, how to win your one-on-one battles. Because that's what I see. I don't see guys winning one-on-one battles too often on that defensive line. So I'm hoping that he comes in and goes, "Look, this is how you beat this guy. I've seen this guy. I've played against this guy before." This is how you beat that guy. These are the things you have to do to be a productive defensive lineman in this league. With the addition of Snags Harrison, I'm. You know what? I'm. I'm. I'm walking with faith. He's gonna fix it. It's no, fixed, Paul. So,
2: so I, I, let me expand on that because you might be right in one aspect of it. When when Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett were together, yeah, a lot of Michael Bennett sacks. Because of Cliff Averill. there you go. He fl- he made he made the quarterback have to step up or flash, and and Michael didn't always beat his guy, but he came off a block and got the sack. Yep. Maia at times wins. He does. Reed at times wins, but we're stuck sometimes on the other guys. Again, I'm not here to call anybody out. You've got to have another guy that when. You win, and all of a sudden, Murray steps up in the pocket. The other guy is right there coming off the block for the sack. There's too many times where the win is there. We step up. He escapes. There's nothing there. There's other times, you know, we we had our, we almost had a sack. Bobby almost had a, a, we're off the field. Both of those times, not only did we not get off the field, I think they went down and scored. That's the difference between get off the field, a safety, all kinds of things. So I, I think you're right. In one part, that maybe uh, just having another guy when one guy wins, the other one's there to clean it up. I think that'll help. Takes, right. takes a village. All uh, right, let's talk to talk. So, we, people throw out greatest athlete. Often. I want to have this conversation too because I differ on well, what does that mean. Yeah. And some some people said DK Metcalf, the best pure athlete in sports. First of all, your thoughts on that, and then maybe even I could even say best athlete on the Seahawks.
1: That's that. He is an athlete. He is a very good athlete. But when we talk about athletes, is what can you do across the board? A whole bunch of different things. What do you bring to the table? Pure athletes, I think of Deion Sanders. I think of Bo Jackson. I think of Charlie Ward. I think of guys like that who've shown that they can perform at different levels. On this Seahawks team, I think DK is a specimen. He is a prototypical big outside receiver, but I don't even think he's the best athlete on this team. I hear I hear Rumbles of John Rasua being the best hooper on the team, and also being a obviously he's a solid football player. But I want to see, and we talked we talked a bit earlier. Can he can he swing a golf club? Can, can he, he can he, he hit a baseball? Can he can he play uh, bet one of the best athletes
2: I've ever been around? And my definition of athlete is more around because of me. Look, it's not just about speed and explosiveness. Is DK one of the most explosive? Athletes in the world, Most no definitely.
1: question. You saw that. You no. saw it on on, on Sunday running he, down Buddha.
2: He, man ran down Buddha Baker. Buddha tweeted out said, yeah. "I got I don't know he what he hocks. said. I, I got hot Yes, and no. that he that he did. That was an incredible feat and and uh, effort along the way. But you know I. I'm I'm a good tennis player, a good golfer, okay <laughs> basketball. So you are No 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 no, no you're talking no, no about Paul No Boyer. not done yet. Not done yet. <laughs> I'm saying the reason why I say it, I could do all that, bowl. I don't consider myself one of the great athletes of all time. Kenny Easley though. Okay. Kenny Easley, he and I ping pong. Unbelievable. The guy was on freshman basketball team for UCLA. Scratch golfer. Um, he could throw he could be a quarterback, return punts. Bowl, we pool. We we played every Dave Craig. He's up here in the Ring of Honor as well. Dave Craig and I one day we started off with golf. We went to cribbage, played pool, and I can't remember. uh, We we had a four thing we did. We bowled. We 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 bowled as well. Dave could play any sport. It didn't always look pretty, but man, he beat you. And I go, to me, it's just a well-rounded. Athlete. Yeah. And so sometimes we just say, Well, that guy's a great athlete. Now he's explosive. Yeah. But I want to know, DK, can you can you golf? Can you hit the tennis ball? Right. How about bowl? Give me something. Game can ball. you shoot the hoop? They, and by the way, I don't know anybody who's in the NFL who doesn't think they're a good basketball Ever.
1: player. You know what I think? When I was in college, every football player thought he was a good basketball player, and every basketball player thought that they could play football. And we were all wrong. It, it, it's just different. And you know, you know what I think of? Man, Jackie Robinson, UCLA. I mean, this guy did it all—baseball, track. I think he did basketball too. I'm missing. His- but anyway, Jackie Robinson. So,
2: uh, who? Is, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the, the big hurt baseball. Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas. Same thing. He was, you know, football guy. I mean, got drafted in a couple different sports. They're 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 out there. But DK, I just need to know can you do the other things because you are one of the most explosive athletes maybe the most explosive athlete in all of sports
1: okay here's another one for you paul okay paul moya yo sunday's game against the cardinals will cost russell wilson the mvp
2: i'm not sure why um he had a great game you know he good yards they had double digit leads he threw a careless throw. Um, they Buda Baker made a phenomenal play out. They had a stack, three guys right there. Buddha was about eight yards behind everybody, and he was waiting on it. And I just think they underestimated his speed. That man can run. Not as fast as DK as we know. Twenty-two point
1: six.
2: Unbelievable. But it was a it wasn't it was kind of a lazy throw. It was it was behind Carson. If he threw it out in front towards the sideline. You know, a boot is going to have to run through Carson. That may it's a, a tackler or a, a P.I. Um, the second one, they just miscommunication. You know, DK pulled the route back instead of going into the end zone. Uh, that's going to happen. I'm OK. The last one, look, they schemed him. It, it, it happens. Yeah. No way does this hurt him. He's still the front runner because everybody's had a bad game. Rodgers had a bad game. Mahomes had a bad game. I know you like Tom Brady.
1: Brady's in the mix. Yeah. He's in the mix. Yeah. I don't – yeah.
2: This is is Russell's. This is third Sunday night game.
1: I believe you. And I I think that you're right. But I also think that because – we are in the northwest because russell already doesn't get respect if he doesn't bounce back against the 49ers it's going to be because of this game he can play he can have a decent game against the 49ers throw one or two picks and if he does that it is going to be an issue people aren't going to believe in him i think that we think he is the front runner for that mvp spot but you know how the nation does. They look at Seattle. They don't believe it. They don't want to believe it. They allow us to to just stand still. I, I just I just don't think that people really respect it yet. I think they they're looking for reasons not to respect it. And if he doesn't bounce back against the 49ers be like, I told you that Sunday night against Arizona Cardinals, I think he's still the front runner, but I, I think the nation looks at him a bit differently. All
2: right, I'm gonna throw one one final one here real quick. Let's go. Are the Hawks good enough to hold off all these contenders. This NFC West is brutal. Yes, it is. And if we win last week, there's no question on We got a three-game lead over Arizona. Yep. We got a three-game lead over San Francisco. We got a two-game lead over the, the Rams. I'm, I'm, I'm still curious how good they are. Does last week's loss, does that throw the doubt in your mind? Can we hold this
1: gauntlet off? If they did not make a move on the defensive line, if Snacks wasn't in the wings waiting, if Carlos didn't just join the squad, I would have some doubt. But at this point, I think that they made enough moves in the right moves to get this thing going. I think they're going to split with the Rams. You know, the Rams always playing well. I think they're going to split with the Rams. They obviously have no choice but to split with the Cardinals. I don't think they're going to lose to them again. Everyone else I think they'll take care of.
2: Yeah, this one, uh, I really wish we had a one last week. Was, to me, it was a really important game, divisional game, on the road, 6-0. and We're about to play four just back to back back tough games. I would like to have had that little cushion because I, I hate negative streaks. Yeah. And losing streaks, they, some people would say, oh, the CX are going to be mad. They're coming off a loss. I go, no, uh, I'd rather play a team coming off a loss all day long. There's pressure on them. They lost for a reason. It means there's something not quite right. Seahawks got to clean this up. I think the Hawks are going to take care of business this week because I don't think San Francisco's defense is good enough to stop the Seahawks' offense. And I think San Francisco's offense is so beat up. A team that's struggling defensively, I think we can hold them down. No big plays. Kittle's a problem. They better just say, anybody can beat us but Kittle. But I think we're going to hold this thing off. I think we're good enough. We have enough good players I am frustrated we have not figured it out defensively. I'm, I'm frustrated, and I, I don't have answers, and I usually would. But we're going to find a way <laughs> to, to hold this thing
1: off. We're going to find a way, Paul. And that was talk that talk. The debut of this segment, I think it went pretty well, Paul. Coming up next, we'll go inside the front room and revisit the biggest plays from the Seahawks loss against the Cardinals. That's around the corner on Hawks Live.
0: Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, my
2: only disappointment ever.
1: All right, so who is this? Well, Ball it's Michael lawyer. Jackson right. thriller, and it's a good theme. I like the theme. I'm just trying to make sure you go four for four. You're batting a thousand right now. Well, look, I, I mean, the you're, now you're really in my world. <laughs> that was my favorite, and that hurt me. We are in Moyers' world, and right now we're going inside the film room. We break down three of the biggest plays from the Cardinals, well, from the Seahawks' loss against the Cardinals. The first play we're going to break down is Buda Baker's red zone interception and the way DK hot him down.
6: First and goal, Russell takes a shotgun snap, Carson, oh no, it's picked off, going the other way, is Buda Baker down the near sidelines, nobody's going to catch him unless Metcalf can, he is sprinting, he is running, he dives and he catches him, DK Metcalf catches Buda Baker on a little dump pass into the right flat, Russell never saw him, and he steals the ball away. All
1: i right, I'm right, I'm going to go over to you. You were just praising Buda Baker and how he played this. What you uh, to, see there, Paul? It, well,
2: first of all, he, he knows it's coming. He, he's he's about uh, six yards back from where the, the the line of scrimmage is, and they're in a, a, a bunch or a stack formation. Three guys really close together are, are tied in two wide receivers. Uh, look, there's every DB in the world knows what's going on. You've got Carson, who's a little bit wide. He's sitting on the tackle. That's not normally where they are. They're not that wide, but he's – he knows that they're going to run you know, a bit of a pick route or rub routes and and try to pick him off and get Carson into the flat. He's deep enough and fast enough he can get this. But this is the negative part. This is not a good throw. It's a great play by Buddha, but it's a poor throw. It's lobbed. It's lobbed inside. I mean, Carson is looking towards the sideline, running to the flat. He has to actually turn his whole body back around because the ball is thrown inside. If Russell does what he normally does and just guns it, to his outside shoulder, maybe it's a touchdown, maybe it's a tackle on the one-yard line, but it's not an interception. But the big play is, and I'll let you take over.
1: The big play is number 14, D.K., now Buddha has maybe a 4-yard head start on this guy and Buddha is moving north south as soon as he catches the football. DK is going east west puts his left foot left foot in the ground and gets those knees up and like I love to say gets on his horse. Buddha thinks he's good to go. Around the 20-yard line he looks back and realizes there's a Doverman pincher on his heels ready to bite him and That play right there is going to live forever. That's a play that's going to be in NFL films as long as the NFL is being played. I love to see it. What I don't like to see, I want you to take a look at Russell Wilson. Now, when you throw the football, when you throw a ball with conviction, when you believe in what you're seeing, man, you follow through. You bring that back half of your body through. I don't see that. He just flicks it out there. I talked to Pete. Pete said, you know, throughout the week this was open, and that's the way he threw it. So, what you do in practice is what you're going to do in the game, and that's exactly what happened here. Unfortunate, but that hustle play by DK saved seven points because the defense stood tall in the in the red zone, and then the Hawks go down and score. So like you mentioned earlier, it didn't really affect them.
2: He was about four or five yards behind. Buda Baker. Buda Baker is flat-out fast. It yeah. wasn't like he caught uh, some offensive t- – or defensive end or anybody, <laughs> yeah. anybody, but Buddha Baker's the fastest guy probably or one of the fastest guys on, on Arizona's team. And you watch Buddha; Buddha is striking. He is good form with the football. He's thinking this is it. And all of a sudden he feels this deep breath on his neck. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns around at the last second. And, you know, just for those who all remember this, I mean, this is a great goal line stand, and the Seahawks yeah. went right back down and scored. Yeah. But it, to me, it was still a momentum killer.
1: Momentum killer. All right, next play, Russell Wilson connects with Tyler Lockett for an amazing 47-yard touchdown.
6: Russ takes the snap. Looks, going to let it fly. Downfield, Tyler Lockett is out there. Lockett makes a catch in the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks. How does he get open? How does he do that? Tyler Lockett is amazing, and the perfect pass from Russell Wilson, a 47-yard shot before halftime, 47 seconds left, and a perfect pass. Lockett with his second score of the night.
1: All right, this play right here. Lockett come, goes into motion. It's a zone, obviously, because no one runs with him. The linebacker just bumps into the box, and what he does a great job of He attacks the corner. He attacks his leverage. That means the corner's outside of him. He stems after him, puts his foot in the ground, and goes. By the time Russell Wilson lets his ball go, he is double-teamed. So he's looking at Lockett and saying, that's my boy. That's 16. I'm going to give him a chance. And also what helps is Buddha gets confused. He's looking for the football. Where is it? Is it right? Is it left? But you cannot discredit the speed and the catch of Tyler Lockett. He – now – I remember looking at this game live, and he got face-masked a bit as he's falling down to the ground and still made the catch. He went up top against Peterson two times in this game, the very first play, and then this right here. Peterson is one of the most athletic corners in the game right now. This was Russell Wilson letting his boy make a play, and as receivers, we love it. Toss the ball up. Let me make a play. I know one thing. I
6: could
2: be the greatest coach in the history of the world. If I had guys like this doing this, because <laughs> I have no idea why he threw the football.
1: No, it doesn't make
2: sense. It, it, you've got a crossing route that's pretty open. You've got Greg Olson on the same side, runs an out and up And there's nobody guarding him. He might score a touchdown, probably not because Peterson and Buda would come off, but he's going to be inside the 30, maybe to the 20 yard line. I I have no idea. Matter of fact, I'm actually kind of mad we scored so quick because Arizona ended up going down to kick a field goal. But I really don't uh, know why. But I I will say this from a coaching point, what I I spotted, what I thought was so good about this, you mentioned that uh, Tyler Lockett went in motion. But what he did is the ball wasn't snapped when he was still going sideways in motion. He squared his shoulders up, yep. kind of tapped his feet, so he was almost in a running motion when the ball snapped on a straight line. When you're in motion and the ball snapped and you've got to round that off, that play doesn't work.
1: Marty, you play receiver back in the nah, day? Nah, man, but you, I see you it You sound all, like a baby. receiver, man. I see it all. Okay, I you see it. You know that. I see you. I'm, a, I'm Thriller, man. <laughs> 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 all right, the next play, Russell Wilson, intercepted by Ian Simmons.
6: We did not pick these, by the way. <laughs> now the ball in Seattle territory and just a quick throw, and it's intercepted by Arizona. Russell was just trying to dump it over the middle. And the ball is picked off by Isaiah Simmons right in the middle of the field with 104 left, the third pick thrown tonight by Russell Wilson. I'm not sure what he was thinking or who he was throwing to.
1: I'm, I'm going to let you lead the charge in this because <laughs> this this is tough on a quarterback.
2: Well, look, it's his own blitz. He, he, he should have seen – as soon as the ball was snapped, you should have seen three linebackers or two linebackers in a safety. I'm not sure all the, the, the personnel group. But they, they basically have six, seven guys up, you know, right on the line. Well, how many you got there? Uh, seven so. guys. Yeah, you know, they bring a corner, uh, or basically a nickel off the corner. I, I think he knows this. I, I just think when he saw the corner come off the, or the slot, I think he thought, oh, th- I'm just going to throw it really quick and get a, a quick pass but it instead he looks like he's trying to go I don't know who he's trying to is trying to hit Tyler Lockett on this. I'm not sure who or DK. It's just a bad throw, it's a bad read and you got to get used to this. The thing I do like about Arizona is Arizona you know during this game they they bust too. I mean they're, they're this isn't a, a stout deal. They gave up 577 yards yeah. just, right? But they took chances at the right time and said, hey, and what's so impressive about this, it's not the zone blitz. There's nothing magical about this. There's no schematic thing where you want. gee, you haven't seen that before. But what they did on how they executed and taught their linebackers to look up and run to the, the receivers, yeah. they must have known this was their type of side adjust. And that linebacker, both of them, ran right underneath DK and Ty Lockett. There was nowhere to go. If he threw it a little quicker, more to the outside to DK, I don't think they get the interception. But DK isn't looking. No. So this is a confu- They were confused on this.
1: Lockett and DK weren't looking, but also two plays before that consecutively they gave this same look and they blitz everybody so now russell's thinking all right here they come here they i'm going to i'm going to get this ball off quickly and what is disappointing to me is that the receivers don't look for the ball it's if if i if i'm a slot receiver i'm tyler lockett in this situation and i see all backers up my first two three steps i'm looking at russell just in case you want to get it to me quick and he doesn't look now Simmons makes a great play on it. And like you mentioned, they drop, and they don't drop to spots. They're dropping to men. They're dropping to receivers, and that's what makes this thing work. If they were just dropping and looking at the quarterback and not worried about what the receivers were doing, Russell might get lucky and make this play happen. But they're aware. They're coached up here, Paul. Well,
2: Let me ask you this, because what I'm a little perplexed on this play is DK sees the nickel and no one's covering Tyler, right? So Tyler's he's looking in and Tyler immediately sees them drop. So he's saying, I'm gonna stay with my route. But DK's guy, he blitzes off the corner. Yep. And at that point I'm like, would you not if you knew a zone blitz was coming, one, you've gotta be ready. I I gotta get that to you quick. And if it's a zone blitz, I'm kidding. Why wouldn't he widen that just out to the numbers a little bit? You know, because I, I, there's no way those guys can get him. Yeah. You know, they're lined up on the center and the guard. Yeah. So I don't. I, again, it's this is. I thought we played so well offensively. This play was just one of those plays that was just, you know, inexplicable. It's just it was a poor, poor play by us.
1: Yeah. You know, and I think I look at that play and I'm like, are these guys coached up? to do that or is this just a bust by the receiver I think so well my goodness you're
2: the number one offense in the NFL we're doing a lot of good things and I I have to go back you you mentioned that they had done this earlier and, and brought them all that's a great point I didn't even know that so
1: well We'll never know, Paul.
2: <laughs> what do you mean, man? Go in the locker room and start yeah. asking. Right. I, I, want it, I want you actually in the film room.
1: I need better credentials. I'm, I'm tier, what am I, <laughs> tier three. Tier four? <laughs> I, need, I need, They only let me through the door. <laughs> All right. Is, is the Cam Newton era already over in New England? More dysfunction in Dallas. Paul Moore and I take you around the NFL. Coming up next on Hawks Live hawks
0: live every thursday from seven to nine live on air on 710 espn
1: seattle hawks live you hear that music paul hang on oh there we go hey. uh,
2: we got a good theme going we got halloween week is it halloween week
1: halloween week all uh, right
2: so we had a little thriller we had a little Ghostbusters. Little Ghostbusters.
1: Who are you gonna call, Paul Moyer? We got one more segment.
2: This is easy.
1: Now <laughs> you're. you're, not, you're t- this is like, hey, you're batting a thousand though. I just want to see my guy win. That's all I want. Really? I just want to. Am see I gonna get win? the last
2: one though?
1: I don't know. You- the last
2: two have been pretty easy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, and little Wayne was pretty easy. Is that too. Matt? Matt in the, in the back, back in the studio. Let's go challenge Paul in this next one.
5: Right, bring, it bring, bring it on. Bring it on.
1: But we're going to go around the NFL, and the first topic we're going to talk about, Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. Paul, I'm looking at this guy play. Mm-hmm. It just it don't look right. It don't feel right. It don't mm-hmm. seem right. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have receivers. He's not able to run the rock the way that he usually does. I think that is what's kind of hindering him is I don't think his shoulder's healthy, and he's not the athlete that he used to be, and he doesn't have receivers on the outside to where he can just toss it up.
2: Yeah, that's being nice. <laughs> <laughs> but look, when we played him second week of the season, we all went, wow. I mean, yeah. he threw for unbelievable yards. He was really accurate. I mean, he 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 made a lot of really good throws. So we thought, okay, he's back. And not just back, he's got a coach that knows his strengths and you know, his completion percentage is up. And then we got a night game at the last minute last Sunday, and we're watching the game. I think it was you and I, it might have been NASA. And he threw it, it was a ten yard hitch route, and he threw it five yards in front of the guy. in the dirt, in the dirt. And I went, "Oh man, that that that's that's not even a bad high school quarterback." <laughs> so I, I don't think he's done. I think there's still something there, and they, I think they they can't give up on him yet. But some, he labors so hard to throw a 15-yard route.
1: I don't think they have a choice. They have to go with Cam Newton. What I'm concerned about is Cam Newton after this year. He's on a one-year deal, yeah. deal league minimum. Yeah. Will he get another shot to be a starter in this league?
2: I don't think he needs the money. I mean, he's, his wardrobe is good. By the way, I like his wardrobe.
1: John, For, don't, John don't like it.
2: You know what? I, there's the point where... It's hard for some old school, and there's times I did struggle with it because I go, "You better be playing well to back that up." Yeah, he's past that. To me, he's
1: an entertainer. He's proven.
2: He's a. It's a brand, and yes, you know he's an entertainer. Yes. So I, I have no problem with it. You're a rookie doing that, like when Mayfield would do all his junk, and he's just lousy. I go, "You, you got to be good to do some of that." But he's earned that right. He wear whatever he wants, and actually, he's he's fashionable guy.
1: Fashionable guy. Yeah. Okay now. Andy Dalton concussion. Is hmm. that the nail in the coffin for the Dallas Cowboys? Or do you do you expect them to bring another quarterback in?
2: <laughs> Look, they're getting rid of everybody.
1: They still have a chance, too. That, that's the crazy they're thing. They're a
2: half game out of first place. Yeah. But they're dumping players on defense. I mean, it's like they've given up on this thing. Here's why I think they've given up. If if their record was and they had Dak. They're still going for it. I think they've just saw look, we don't have a quarterback. And now I mean Andy's not the answer. I I'm starting to look at Fitzpatrick and I'm like, he looks like a stud. I'd bring him in. You know, normally you would say no. They just don't have a quarterback to pull it off. They've got some huge offensive line issues. I don't know what's going on defensively. You know, but again, they've they've unloaded in salary, so to me they've given up and um, someone was saying, you know, they're on pace to, you know, if they don't win another game, you're you're looking at, you know, number one, number two pick.
1: See, you better hope the Jets win a game or two then.
2: The Jets are not going to draft Lawrence, I don't believe. I think they still think they have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I know one thing. You got that number one and you said, I'm not going to take it. I mean, that's, that's three number one
1: picks. Yeah, yeah. Antonio Brown, I think this guy – Is going to contribute and he's going to contribute early. Whenever you have the GOAT Tom Brady vouching for you, move into my house. I'll show you how to do this. He's back in Florida. He's at home. Like everything is set up for him to do well in Florida. Now it's up to him to make it happen. Is his mind going to be right? Is he going to stop the baby mama drama? Is he going to focus on football? That's all the stuff that's hurting him on the field. Dude can ball. What do you expect out of AB? Well, I thought. You know, even last year, you
2: know when you watched Hard Knocks, when he was at the Raiders and his workouts, you know the guy's ability is ridiculous. Yep. I I wanted him, even with all the noise out there. I wanted him because I think he's such a special player. Now that we don't have him, now nah, he's gonna fail. <laughs> uh, he's, the, he's the, he, the old self's gonna come out. Hey,
1: if he was here, he'd be good. Oh,
2: no, he'd be fine uh, under Russell Wilson's wing. Oh, he'd be fine under Tom Brady. I don't know. I mean, that house is big.
1: Under the six-time nah, Super Bowl champion.
2: I, I, so, quick story. I, I, NASA knows this, but um, I met Tom Brady. My son, at the time, he was playing baseball at Gonzaga and decided he wanted to play football. So UCLA's recruiting him. Got uh, Rick Neuheisel, and we're walking out. And he goes, oh, let's, let's go out. He goes, Tom Brady is he's, he's, uh, working out. And I, I want to see he had, like, Edelman or one of his uh, guys working out. He was so good to my son. He was so humble. Really? and and, he, and my son was having his hard decision that should he play baseball or football, and he goes, "Look, like, that was hard for me too. I played baseball." He goes, "You know what? Whatever decision you make, you go with your passion. You, and whatever decision you make, it's the right one if you go with your passion." we so I'm, I'm like, I want to take a selfie and I want to, <laughs> you know, take a photo with them. And but I knew my son would go crazy. We start to leave and they're working out hard and we're leaving and and all of a sudden he goes, "Hey, Nick, Nick," and he. He said, "Come over here for a second. He brings Nick over, puts his arm around him, and he says, "Whatever." Like again, you know. And I go, "I had a man crush wow. for a long time on Tom Brady. He's a he's a good man. He didn't have to do it, and you know, you appreciate those little things."
1: I appreciate that story because my perception of Brady just changed. I didn't think he was that type of guy. I thought yeah. he was a I walk on water, no. open this door for me. You know, uh, that's so what ta- I I, let
2: me tell you a little more about this story. So, I'm with New Newhouse, who's belonged to. A, a golf course there i won't throw the name It'll make me sound like i'm really trying to flex here palisades uh it was uh, uh, <laughs> it was bel air yeah um and so he said hey he goes tom do you want to go golf and paul do you, are you, how much longer you guys going to be here do you want to golf as well and i'm like oh, i'm in yes he he says i have to call yes call his wife this is tom yes he goes, you know, she's got the kids, and I got to make sure because wow. she's expecting me to come back. Okay. And I'm like, so he's going to call his wife, who's worth, you know, five hundred million. Right I go, way. tell you what, why don't we all go to your house? We'll <laughs> go and ask her. And I was like,
1: <laughs> but he couldn't get out. Hey, he I couldn't get out. I respect. So I flew home. You just killed everything I thought about no, Tom. Man. Tom's good man. All right, last one. Yep, Dez Bryant. He's on the practice squad for the Baltimore Ravens. Who? Dez. Brian, When's the yes.
2: last time he played?
1: It's been about, about two, three years, Paul. But this, these are my thoughts about Des Bryant. I think he will be a generic Anquan Bolden for the Baltimore Ravens. He's not taking anybody up top. He's going to sit down in the zone, but he's going to be tough. He's going to catch the ball, get north-south. I think that will help him, but I don't think he's just going to change the game when it comes to Baltimore's passing game.
2: Yeah, look, in his time he was tough. You know, he, I don't know if he ever quite lived up to all the expectations that he had. And, you know, certainly a gifted player. Age is, I would say, it's not your friend. Especially the skill position. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many. I, I, Demo, David Moore. David Moore is a really good wide receiver. But if you threw out to, to our listeners here and say, hey, would, if you had, could get Des Bryant or... or or David Moore, who would you want? I think a lot of them would say, "Well, Taz Bryant." I go, "Nah, man, Demo can run. Demo's yeah. w- Pap- M- w- got good hand." And so, for an, a guy who's older, who's slowed down, who hasn't played a bunch, they're dime a dozen. But I, I, I appreciate veterans sit down, read the route or the defense properly, be an outlet for. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Who's the quarterback? Oh, um, who's, the, who's the quarterback? Lamar. Lamar, Jackson, golly, <laughs> watching uh, the Carolina game. And I'm thinking, okay, bring his name up here. So I don't think he's going to help him much.
1: Okay. Well, we shall find out. And coming up next, we'll give you our final thoughts and the Seahawks key to victory. Keys to victory right here on Hawks Live.
0: Hawks live every Thursday from seven to nine live on air on seven ten ESPN Seattle.
6: every fight for my monster from its slab began to rise. And suddenly my to my smookie? surprise You know what I know I no. know the song I don't know. Watch
1: the match. Who sang it though? You know who sang yeah. it? it yeah. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like the fifties. Well, 50s. well it,
2: it's probably sixties. Yeah. He did them all um, monster mash uh, well this is my era i should know this hey well monster mash i know
1: hey you can't bat a thousand every day well i, I got bobby the name pickett. bobby oh oh
0: nasa
1: bobby pickett oh he's cheating though. no i, I just got, wanted no y'all to know because killing the game all show <laughs>
2: monster mash just to have that that's good enough
1: thanks Matt. i appreciate you for that matt you're the real mvp but now we're going give to give you guys, the listeners, the keys to victory. What do these guys need to do, the Seahawks we're talking about, to beat the 49ers? I'm going to tell you what I think, Paul, and then you tell me what you think. Okay. I think they need to be disciplined on defense because what the 49ers are going to do, They're going to start a guy on this side. They're going to motion him over there. They're going to shift this guy there. They're going to motion that receiver back as a running back. They're going to send him right. They're going to run the ball left. You just have to read your keys on defense. Read your keys and make Jimmy stand in the pocket and throw the ball. The thing I appreciate about Jimmy, I know that we have our – views of this guy but when he sees something and he believes in it the ball's out quick it's not a long gated throw like Kyler murray look at Kyler murray like his his throw takes a long time to go jimmy g if he believes it, he sees it. he's going to let it go and he's going to depend on that play fake so those linebackers need to be disciplined you need to respect the run you take your run steps but as soon as you identify that it's a pass get into your zone get your drops don't drop to a spot find some work and get to a man
2: yeah, I agree. Um, I think we're better than they are. I mean, I thought we were toe-to-toe last year, you know, one yard from winning the NFC West and all that stuff. If we're healthy, there's no question. They're really banged up. So are we. I think we're going to score some points. Okay. You know, I really do. Um, and defensively, because they're missing their best receiver, they're missing their running backs, Kittle's a problem. I I just, will we game plan to take away Kittle? Yeah. We often go into a game and say, this is what we do. It's not about what they do. We're going to run our defense. We're going to spot drop. I, it's, to me, it's not about pressure on on Grapple. He doesn't really hold the ball much. Yeah. Everything, again, it's inside the numbers. You have mm-hmm. to take away inside the numbers. If he wants to throw 10 passes, 10-yard 10 out routes on the outside the number, then so be it. Let him have it. He's not going to complete them all. He doesn't want to go there. He's not comfortable. But the key is we have got to shut their running game down. We had Jordan Brooks on earlier. He's a rookie. It's a tough game for him because you can't get lost one time against them. They run those backside screens. Yeah. They run a lot of deep crossing routes. Um, everything, again, it's just it, it, it's um, kind of like uh, the movie Top Gun when he finally came back and he looked down and they were just all flying all over the place. He goes, oh, my God. You know, everything was just so fast. There was yeah. just so much going on. you got to slow that down. You, you, as he mentioned earlier, when we had him on, he he's played football his whole life. It's just football. So take away the run. I think offensively, we're gonna we're gonna do some damage on him. At least I'm I'm hoping. So I, we're gonna win this game. We have to win this have game. Have to win this. We yeah. do.
1: You mentioned George Kittle. There's not many tight ends that I see on film who you isolate on the back side of formation, three by one. He's the one receiver on the back side matched up with a corner. Guy can run routes. He he understands leverage. He understands that if I'm gonna run this out route, I'm gonna get to the outside of this defender. I'm gonna keep him close to me so I can create separation at the top of this route. A lot of guys who are inexperienced running routes, they want to get wide. They think releasing wide is gonna create space and and get out. Yeah, it creates space for 5 to 10 yards, but a good corner is going to close that space at the top of the route because there is space. It doesn't make sense if you don't understand what I'm talking about, but you want to make your breaks close to the defender if you're not blowing by him. And I look at George Kittle. He's the best tight end in the game.
2: There's only um, two parts on this one. One is um, there's really nobody who can uh, – Guard George Kittle by themselves. though Jamal Adams. One of the games that I watched last year is he did, and he he played him pretty well. I'd love to have him healthy. There's only two players in this league where I go, oh, I want one of those. I want one for Christmas. You got to. I've <laughs> got to have one. One's Aaron Donald. Okay, because he is. Yes, humble. the other one is George Kittle.
1: George Kittle, because
2: he there he's so unique. His motor is so high. I oh man I. Those are those are You those know are another really one I want players. one for
1: Christmas? What? We already got them. Yeah, number 3.
2: Well, I know and there's a there's actually a few I, I DK Metcalf. Yeah. I think Jamal Adams when he's healthy and playing. Yeah. That we on this team there's only two that I go, "Oh no, I I have to have this." So, um so I love watching George Kittle, but he's a tough competitor for the Seahawks.
1: He's a tough one. Hopefully they get it done What well. You know, we're closing this out. So, hey, Thursdays. I love Thursdays, Paul. I get to hang up with you, my guy, NASA Chobe.
2: He's my guy, too.
1: Hey, he's our guy. Thank you. Can we do that? All right, guys. Okay. Special thanks to Chris Biederman and Jordan Brooks, as well as John Clayton, for joining the show. Our board operator is Matt Harden. The Seahawks spring game show is live Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Me and Paul Moyer will be there as well. Again, special thanks to NASA Chobie. Until next time, I'm your guy. Michael Bumpus along with Parmario. We'll be back next Thursday right here on Hawks Live. Holla. Hawks, Hawks live. live. Every
0: Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle. Download the 710 Sports app to get breaking news notifications on the Hawks and read the latest analysis on the Hawks at 710Sports.com.